Exodus 23. We'll wrap it up tonight, Lord willing. What you will notice tonight in the passages is a little repeat. We, we see God kind of repeating some of the same things to Israel. And I believe that that's important for us to realize. Exodus 23, starting in verse 20. While everybody's turning there, I would like to give a big congratulations to the ladies who won Bible Jeopardy. They come back from behind. It was a close battle. They tied it up in the final game. We had to have a tiebreaker, and just barely the women were able to slip by, and they were able to be the champions of Bible Jeopardy for 2018. So maybe we'll give the men another opportunity here sometime in the future. Exodus 23, verse 20, we'll pray and then we'll read. Father God, I pray that you just get my heart in the right place tonight. I pray that you help me to concentrate and focus on your word. I pray that you just let the Holy Spirit speak through me. I pray that you take any distractions of the world or any thoughts of my mind away from me now, dear Lord. And I pray that, that, that you just would use me to preach and teach your word in a way that's going to bring glory to you and draw us closer to you, dear Lord. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 23, verse 20. I'm going to send an angel before you to protect you on the way and bring you to the place I have prepared. Now this is God speaking to the Israelites here in these verses. He's letting them know what's going to happen from this point forward as they begin to move forward and prepare to go into the promised land. Now God had given them a lot of instructions in the last few chapters. Starting in verse 20, He gave them the Ten Commandments and He gave them several other laws, uh, some of which have some very practical uh, uh, uses to them as to why He told them to do things a certain way. Uh, some of those laws, I believe, were given because Israel, uh, they, they weren't a nation before. They had just been born a nation. They didn't have a governmental structure lined up. So God was spelling out everything as, to, as, as far as how they needed to do things their civil laws, the punishment that needed to come from certain things that took place. God really spells out in a lot of details, not necessarily here just in Exodus, but in many of these early books as to what the Israelites were supposed to do. And so those laws applied to Israel in a different way than they apply to us. We are ruled by governments and authorities that it, the Bible says that God uh, puts into place. And so some of these things that they were commanded do, to do in the Old Testament, we have been freed from in Jesus Christ. Uh, one example being these festivals that we talked about last week. These were things that the Israelites were commanded to do. Uh, we don't keep these festivals today. Well, some Christians may keep them. We don't have to. We are freed uh, from those things. We are freed from that law in Jesus Christ. Uh, those things were good for Israel. They needed to do those things, perhaps as a reminder for them to trust God, uh, perhaps uh, as, as a reminder for them to realize their sinfulness and their need for uh, God. Uh, but those things were ultimately pointing forward for us in Jesus Christ. We have seen those things fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so while we read through some of these laws and command of Israel, we see that not all of these things apply to the Christian today. Now, some of these things that were mentioned to the Israelites were also repeated in the New Testament. Now, these are things that we need to take to heart. But usually, even when specifics are mentioned in the New Testament, Jesus is still saying that in some of those cases, the specific uh, law is still intact for us, and we need to follow those things, as in do not murder. 
Uh, we don't murder because uh, the law of our land tells us not to murder. We murder because we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we would never kill ourselves. Hopefully, we wouldn't. If you ever struggle with that, please reach out to somebody. And, uh, but but uh, those are things that we know that God would never intend for us to harm our own life or another life. And in many of those things, when Jesus repeats an Old Testament law, he expounds upon it and says, no, look, the, the heart of the law is much deeper than the letter of the law. Some of the things that we see in the Old Testament, we see the, uh, the early church or the apostles kind of uh, make a statement in some of those same things. But uh, as a whole, uh, we are freed from uh, most of the laws and the festivals that we see here in the Old Testament. So after God kind of gives a brief rundown what we see here in Exodus of some of these laws and commands, he's kind of wrapping up uh, this section of text at least uh, with, a, with a warning, with some instruction for them, with some promises for them if they listen to what he has to say. And so he says here that he's going to send an angel before you to protect you on the way and bring you to the place I have prepared. Now God had been uh, with them throughout the whole process. You remember there was a pillar of fire that God had sent uh, before the Israelites to lead them through uh, and away from the Egyptians to lead them across the Red Sea. And God was with them uh, kind of holding their hand if we could say that. Because how long did it take for the Israelites to begin to complain after they saw God do all these things? If they went without water for a little while, what did they do? Oh, we, we're in big trouble now. And God would, would provide for them and He would deliver them and then they would, oh, what are we going to do? We're going to die in the wilderness. And we see this kind of repeated process. And God is faithful to know that we as human beings are weak. We're really not any better off than those Israelites were way back then. And so God was kind of holding their hand along the way. He was reminding them that he was with them and he was continuing to do so by sending this angel to protect them. In verse 21, Be attentive to him and listen to his voice. And do not defy him because he will not forgive your actions of rebellion. For my name is in him. But if you will carefully obey him and do everything I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemy and a foe to your foes. Now, what God is saying here is that this angel will be with them to watch over and protect them and that the people are to follow this angel. But ultimately what God is saying, look, you know what I've commanded you to do, so do what is right. Do what I've commanded you to and I will be with you. If you're obedient to me, I will watch over you, I will protect you. Now, God never promises that things are going to be easy, but he does tell them he will be with them and he will protect them and watch over them. And God says, I'll be an enemy to your enemies. So if God is your friend, then that's a pretty good deal. If we are a friend of God, then that should be reassuring for us. I believe that this same statement applies to us today as Christians. I believe that when we are God's children and we are obedient to Him, I believe that God watches over us and takes care of us. Again, not that we never come in contact with a bad situation, but we do have God on our side. And ultimately, the main enemy that causes us trouble, that is Satan, is going to be uh, completely done away with when the time comes. Now, he's already been defeated through De Jesus Christ's death on the cross and resurrection, but there will come a day uh, where our enemy will be done away with and we won't be worried with him anymore. And so it's a good thing to be called a friend of God, to be a child of God, to know that our enemy is his enemy and that he will be victorious and has been over that enemy. Verse 23 for my angel will go before you and bring you to the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. 
Now, there were lots of inhabitants in this land that the Israelites were going to. It's not like that it was just uncultivated land that was just flowing milk and honey, just waiting for someone to come in and take it and to, and to cultivate it and to plant gardens and to use the resources that were there. No, there were already people there. So the Israelites weren't just walking into a wide open land. Yes, it was their land that God had provided for them. Yes, it was a bountiful land. It was a land flowing with milk and honey but it was a land that was inhabited by other people. Now God is, is letting the Israelites know, hey, there are people here. They are going to be enemies that are, that are going to be big and strong, that, that by, by human eyes are going to look much stronger than you. But they needed to be reminded, as God had just reminded them, look, if you stay obedient to me, they're your enemies, but they're also my enemies. And they had already seen God part the Red Sea. They had seen God provide for them in all these different ways. And they needed to remember that Remember the God that they had experienced and trust in Him as they were going into this land against all of these enemies, and God said He would wipe them out. You must not bow down to their gods or worship them. Do not imitate their practices. Instead, demolish them and smash their sacred pillar to pieces. Now, this is a pretty strong warning. This is something that we see repeated throughout the Old Testament. There was this warning that God continually gave to the people. Don't worship other gods. Don't worship other gods. Don't, don't be careful when you're interacting with these people. I'm going to wipe them out. You're to destroy them. Uh, some are going to flee and going to run away from you. But whatever you do, don't, don't, don't be friends with these people. Now, that may seem like a harsh thing, but God is a wise God. And He knew that the Israelites would be led astray. If they, if they were uh, mingling with these other people that were there and they come on in and said, hey, this is our land God gave to us, but let's all live as one happy community, God knew that that would never work out. Now, God's desire was for His people to live a righteous life and not give in to these evil practices of these people that lived in the land, practices such as sacrificing their children to their false gods. These are things that God would not want His people to do. God values human life. God doesn't want to see anyone murder. And now those were just some of the practices that we see these people doing in the land that they were moving into. They were doing detestable things. They were doing horrible sins. And God was wanting His people to stay free from those types of things. So God said, look, I'm going to drive them out. I'm going to, I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to be with you when you fight them so that you can destroy them. And God gave some pretty strong instructions, and when you fight them, you destroy every last one of them. And we see that King Saul got in some trouble because he didn't follow what God's Word says. You have to follow all of it. That's important for us. That's a good lesson for us. Sometimes we may want to follow, well, God, I did, I did 90% of what you asked to do, but isn't it okay that I let this one little thing slide? Well, no, it's not okay. Because all it takes is that one little thing to get us off track. And so... God gives this warning for them not to worship these other gods when they go into this land. Not only does He say don't worship them, He says, look, if you see their altars there, uh, their pillars there, whatever they have that they're worshiping with other gods with, you destroy those things. Don't even let those things remain in the land. You need to get away with anything that is going to tempt you or cause you to live in sinfulness. Now, we probably don't have uh, idols sitting in our yard or pillars that we've made uh, built for idols that we need to tear down. If you do, then by all means, call me after church. I'll bring them all out there, and we'll knock that thing down. We're going to get it down. But probably we don't have those things in our yards or on our land. But there are things in our life that may cause us to live in sinfulness. And so we need to uh, look out for those things. 
uh, as we see in the New Testament, uh, you know, all things uh, are okay for the Christian, but not all things are beneficial, as Paul would say. I believe he tells the Corinthians that. And so we need to be careful. There are a lot of good things that may not be beneficial to us. They may not be bad in and of themselves, and they're probably different for each and every one of us. But there are those things in our lives that, even though they're not bad in and of themselves, we never want to allow these things to take control over us. As Christians, we are commanded to have self-control. That is a fruit of the Spirit, one that I find that I have to work uh, at a lot, that I need to pray to God to help me to have that a lot. There are, it's easy for things to uh, control our lives, and we may not even realize it because the devil is so slick at deceiving us and allowing situations or people or things to control our life. And so we've got, we've got to be on guard against that. And that was the fear that God had for the Israelites. You're going to go into this place. These people are going to be worshiping other gods. They're going to do these other practices. And you are going to be tempted to, to, to intermarry with them. You are going to be tempted to uh, be one with them. But don't do it. Can you imagine what it must be like here? These young Israelite men eventually going to make it into the promised land and they go to conquer this city and there's these beautiful women there and they say, golly, look at the beautiful women that are at this city. Golly, I don't want to kill these women. I want to take them as my wife. Or they go into these cities and they see all this immense wealth or this immense livestock that God may have said, look, don't take any of this stuff. And so that would be very tempting for the Israelites. But if the Israelites would give in in those areas that God told them not to, chances are that ultimately, as we see in Scripture, they would begin to follow these gods entirely and uh, not follow uh, Yahweh anymore, not follow the Lord anymore. In verse 25, Worship the Lord your God and He will bless you, or excuse me, bless your bread and your water. I will remove illness from you. No woman will miscarry or be childless in your land. I will give you the full number of your days. Now, isn't that a good reminder? That God blesses those who are obedient to Him. Now, I believe that God still does that today. Now, this was a promise to Israel, but I believe that God is still a good God that cares for His children today, and that if we are, if we are seeking Him, if we are worshiping Him alone, and we are striving our best to be obedient to Him, I believe that God watches over us. I believe that God takes care of us, Again, it doesn't mean that there's never going to be anything bad happen. It doesn't mean that when the lightning strikes our house that we're not living right. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that sometimes lightning strikes our house. And so we have to remember those things. We have to remember that God does bless us and look, look out for us, but that doesn't mean that normal life situations don't sometimes happen. Maybe God allows them to happen sometimes to test our, our faith or our patience, but God is with us. And I believe that if we as Christians, if you are a Christian for any length of time, you look back in your life, you can probably attest to that. Not that you've always gone through good times, but that God has always been faithful. Over the long haul, things have always worked out for the good. And God is telling the Israelites, be faithful to me and everything is going to work out for the good in the long haul. They're going to have to fight some battles. There are going to be some hard times along the way. But ultimately, God wants to provide for, prepare for, and take care of the Israelites. And He does for us too. Verse 27, I will cause the people ahead of you to feel terror and throw into confusion all the nations you come to. I will make your enemies turn their backs to you and retreat. 
I will send the hornet in front of you, and it will drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites away from you. Now here God is telling what's going to happen to these, these enemies. He's going to send terror before the Israelites. And we know that's true. We looked at one example of that, or a couple of examples of that this morning. With Rahab, she had heard the stories. As the Israelites were moving into the promised land, she was terrified. The same with the Gibeonites. As they heard that the Israelites were moving into the promised land, they were terrified. So God did exactly what He said He was going to do. There was terror in the land among the people that were there. Now, in the case of Rahab, obviously she had faith, as we see her mentioned uh, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes of faith, we see uh, Rahab mentioned there. It was her faith that caused her to hide those men that had come into the city. Yes, there was a fear of God there because she heard about God coming, but there was more than a fear of God there with her. She had faith. She had faith that, look, this God of the Israelites, He is God. He is the real deal. He is worthy of fear, and He is one that I, that I have faith in. And so we see that what God said here, that there was terror coming into the land, that that is exactly what happened, that the people would begin to turn their backs and they would run in retreat when they saw the Israelites coming. He said in verse 28, I will send the hornet in front of you. Now, that's an interesting phrase. We see that same phrase mentioned in Joshua that the hornet went before the Israelites and drove out the enemies. Now, I don't know if that's literally. Perhaps he sent literal hornets to the people, or perhaps uh, he's just using that as, as a term, uh, talking of terror, as he did in the verses before. Now, sometimes we see uh, language in the Scriptures that is symbolic, or it could have been literal. Whatever it was, this, 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 this hornet, if it was a physical thing, we all know we wouldn't want to have that. Who would want to have hornets chasing them, stinging them? We would flee too. If hornets come into this building right now, we would get out of this building right now. And so it's very possible that God sent literal, physical hornets to drive out the enemies of the Israelites. It's also uh, that it could be symbolic that there was something that God did to them in some fearful way that drove uh, the enemies out of the land before the Israelites. Verse 25, I will not drive them out ahead of you in a single year. Otherwise, the land would become desolate and wild animals would multiply against you. Now, that's just very practical advice that God said. Now, when we read this, we think about how God may act in our lives, or at least I do. God could have, in an instant, driven out all the enemies of the Israelites. He could have in an instant cleared them out of the promised land and the Israelites could have walked right in there. But God said, I'm not going to do that. Because if God would have done that, He said it wouldn't have been for the good of the Israelites. He said if, I, if He would have driven out all the people at once, what would have happened? Well, the wild animals would have, would have multiplied because there would have been no one there killing them to eat or whatever uh, it may have been. There would have been no one there to cultivate the land. There would have been no one there to take care of things. And anyone who has any land knows that if you don't keep it up, it's going to go down pretty fast. Things are going to grow up. Things are going to get out of control, out of hand. If you don't shoot the wild animals when they come to your house, guess what? You're going to have a problem. We see that in our, in our community today with hogs, right? Hogs come in and they'll come in and they'll, they'll tear everything up. So when you see hogs, you want to kill them. You want to get somebody in there. You want to catch them. You want to get them off your land. And in a very practical way, God said, Look, I'm not going to drive all your enemies out in an instant although God could have done that, He said, I'm going to push them back a little at a time. And sometimes I believe that God does that same thing in our life. 
It's not that God is not going to deliver us uh, from our situation and, and, and make things better for us when the time is right. But what we want is we want to walk into our situation and all the bad be gone in an instant. But God knows that there are times and reasons why that might not be good. Perhaps along the way He's building our faith and trust in Him by letting us know that the enemy's just ahead of us. But as we progress on through our situation, He's going to be with us every step of the way. The next enemy, the next hurdle, the next sin, the next hard time we face, God is going to help us through that. He's going to get us through. He's going to give us victory. He's going to be with us. And then we're going to get through that, and then we're going to move on in life and our journey as we serve the Lord, and we're going to face another obstacle, another hurdle, another enemy. And guess what? God's going to be there with us. It's not always going to be a wide, open, easy path, but God is going to clear the path as we get to these things. And through every step of the way, He's going to be with us and help us to overcome these difficult circumstances. Verse 30, I will drive them out little by little ahead of you until you have become numerous and take possession of the land. The Israelites had to grow. They had to grow in number. They had to become numerous. They had to, there had to be enough of them that they would be able to multiply and take care of the whole land. And just as the Israelites had to grow, so do we. Now, we don't grow necessarily by multiplying in number, but we do need to grow spiritually. We do need to grow in the Lord. And as we begin to grow in the Lord, He can help us to have enough faith and enough strength to overcome these different situations and hard circumstances that we may encounter. Verse 31, I will set your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the wilderness to the Euphrates River. For I will place the inhabitants of the land under your control and you will drive them out ahead of you. You must not make a covenant with them or their gods. They must not remain in your land or else they will make you sin against me. If you worship their gods, it will be a snare for you. Now, God gives them a layout here of the land. Now, they were going to, 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 to cover a pretty good area of land. And uh, you can go look at a map and kind of map this out. But it's, it's similar to what modern-day Israel is. It's similar to that, that same lay of the land, probably a little bigger than what modern-day Israel is. But it kind of gives you an idea. It was in that same, uh, same area of where Israel is today. And God maps out and says, hey... This is where your land is going to be, from this to that, from this to that. This area is going to be yours. And then as he closes uh, this passage before uh, we get into what we would call chapter 24, as he closes these verses, he reminds them again, I'm going to drive your enemies out. I'm going to be with you through the process. I'm going to get rid of your enemies. But do not, under any circumstances, worship their gods. He says, don't, don't do it. No matter how tempting it may be, don't do it. Because if you do, they will be a snare to you. Now this was, this was wonderful advice. And you say, golly, why does God keep repeating that? Why does He repeat Himself? Why do we see some of these same things mentioned over and over in the verses we've looked at over the last couple of months? And over and over in, in the, the books to come, in the, in the Torah, in the early part of the Bible. And that's because the Israelites needed to hear it. They needed to be reminded of those things. Some of you may say that when you come to church. Why does he keep saying this same thing over and over? Why do we keep reading these same verses? Why do I need to keep reading the Bible? I've already read through it once in my life. Because we need to be reminded. We need to hear God's Word. We need to be warned again. Why? 
because we are just like the Israelites. We may not like to admit it, and we may not like to think it, because we look at them and they say, how could they, how could they give up on God? How could they turn their backs on God? How could they lose their faith? How could they doubt that God was going to save them? Look at what God has done for them. How could we do that? We probably, I can't speak for everybody, I'll speak for myself. There are times in my life where my faith's not what it should be, where I doubt, where I'm fearful, where I'm afraid, where I'm carried away from God by putting my attention and focus on other things. The Holy Spirit has a way of convicting me of those things, and probably you guys too. The Holy Spirit has a way of uh, bringing God's Word into our paths, into our lives, into our hearts, to our eyeballs so we can see them, to our ears so we can he- hear the words of Scripture so that we can be reminded that's not what God called us to, so that we can see those areas of weakness and doubt and fear in our life and that we can turn to the Lord. And God repeats these commands to the Israelites. He tells them all the time, Don't give in to these things. Don't give in to these false gods or they will be a snare to you. And we see the result. We see that God was exactly right. Go figure. Who would have ever imagined that God would be right? He's 100% right all of the time. And when he told the Israelites not to do something, it was for a reason. And when we read in God's word that there's something that we shouldn't do, it's for a reason. Just as God said these false gods would ensnare the Israelites, So there are things in our life that will ensnare us if we give in to them. We see it with King Solomon. God told him on a couple of occasions, don't intermarry with these women. They're going to turn your heart away from me. You'll worship their gods. And the wisest man in all of the world, guess what he did? He didn't listen to God. If Solomon, the wisest man in all of the world, didn't listen to God, then we better take heed. Because we are probably not the wisest men and women in the world, although you may be, I don't know. We are probably, none of us, as wise as Solomon, and he still slipped. He still disobeyed God, and it got him into trouble. And he ended up worshiping other gods that affected his relationship with the Lord. God gives the Israelites these commands. He gives us the Bible to read and to study and to know and to live by because he knows what's best for us. Just as God wanted to provide what was best for the Israelites and lead them into the promised land and take care of them and defeat their enemies and provide for them, so God wants to do the same for us. He's probably, uh, he's not leading us into a promised land in the same way as the Israelites, but he does desire the same thing for us, I believe. And that is to take care of us, to provide for us, to help us to conquer our enemies. And that is all done through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to be obedient to the Lord so that we can follow what His words say, so that we can receive His blessings and we can walk close to Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to You tonight. We thank You for these words. I pray that You would help us to be obedient to You, that we would be faithful servants, dear Lord. We need to hear them. We we might not be marching into a promised land in a few years, dear Lord, in the same way that the Israelites were going to. But God, we face similar struggles. We may not be facing foreign kings that want to kill us, dear Lord, but we do face difficulties. We do have enemies. We do have hard times. We do have struggles, God. And we we know that you're with us. So I pray that we would trust you, that we would have faith in you, dear Lord, that you would uh, get us through our difficult situations and circumstances, God, and that we would be obedient to you in the process, that we would not turn away and be ensnared by things that are going to draw us from you, but that we would draw closer to you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.